Please stand for the reading of scripture this morning. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. You may be seated. I have to confess, I have mixed feelings about this morning. I'm very glad that we're able to meet together in person, of course, and I'm grateful that we're able to meet inside, to worship together in the same beautiful building that our church family's been worshiping in since 1925. But I'm sad that so many cannot come to service this morning because we're indoors. You are missed. We hope that you're able to watch from home. Last week, we began a series on Genesis, and we're going to spend the next three months looking closely at Genesis chapters 1 to 11, because they're sort of the prologue to the Bible. And like a good prologue is supposed to do, these 11 chapters give us information that we need in order to understand the rest of the Bible. It introduces us to the characters, first and foremost. Most importantly, it introduces us to God who's both the author and a character in the story. Then, we talked about last week, we meet the spiritual beings on day four, spiritual creatures that dwell in the heavens, that God entrusts with overseeing heavenly things. If you recall, the ancients didn't have any concept of stars as big balls of gas burning millions of miles away. To them, the stars were spiritual beings in the sky. And then we meet human beings, and it's here, at the end of chapter 1, where we're going to be focused this morning. Now, the reason that Pastor Ben and I are so excited about this is that we believe that there are themes in these chapters and throughout the rest of Scripture that are easy to overlook. And what we want to do is we want to we take these themes and dig into them because they're important to the way that we read the Bible, that we understand who we are, and the conflict that all of us are caught up in, a conflict of kingdoms. And so we're calling this series The Stolen Kingdom. We spoke a bit about why last week, and we're very excited to dig into it in Sunday school. We were very excited for the first week of Sunday school this morning, but alas, we'll have to wait for next week. We do hope that you will come and join us for that. Today, though, we're looking at these verses at the end of Genesis 1 that speak about the image of God. 
And while we're not going to be talking much about spiritual beings this morning, we're setting the stage to understand their part in this story of a stolen kingdom. So, the image of God. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I know that there is a lot of ideas about what the image of God means. Some people think that, that the image of God is an ability of some sort, some thing that we are able to do that other creatures are not able to do. And while I understand that, I think actually that we're supposed to take something else from this idea of having the image of God. I think it's a status. Being an image bearer is a status that God bestows on us, that he, that he brings with it a calling. It's something that God gives us that cannot be taken away. It's a status with a calling. You could think of it this way. Being an image bearer is God giving us a job. And then we see exactly what that job's supposed to be when we look at the next verse. In verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So he's just, he's just created mankind in his image. And then the very next thing, a blessing and a calling. He says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it and rule over every living creature. Now we're going to talk more about this in coming weeks. But I believe that what we see in Genesis chapter 2 with the Garden of Eden is that mankind is placed there to dwell in this perfect place. Now, the rest of the earth, God calls it very good. But Eden is different. Eden is special in some way. And it seems like what mankind is called to do is to be fruitful, to increase, and to make the rest of the world to be like Eden. In other words, we're to do what God wants to do in his place as his image bearers. We represent him to the rest of creation, and we act in ways that represent him to the rest of creation. Because we know that God's favorite way to work is through us. We can see that in every part of our lives. God is, of course, capable of just zapping the gospel into people's minds, but what he wants instead is to use us to proclaim it. We know that God is capable of just healing every wound, but instead what he prefers to do is he prefers to use his people as his hands and feet. God prefers to work through his creation. Now someone said to me this week, talking about this passage, that the things that we see in our calling here are the same things we find in the Gospels, we see that we're called to grow in the likeness of Jesus, right? We're given the image and likeness, and we have this responsibility to grow and become like God. We see that in the New Testament as well. Those of us who accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and receive the Holy Spirit are called 
to grow in likeness of Jesus, to become more like him. We're also called to enjoy the blessings of a right relationship with him and to be good stewards of creation until he returns. You see, this responsibility that goes with the image, this calling isn't just a Genesis thing. It goes all the way throughout Scripture. It's present for us still today. So what is bearing the image? What does the job look like today? This is kind of an aside, but one of the things that struck me this week that was just so neat, on September 3rd, 2000, that's when I proclaimed my faith for the first time and became a Christian, 20 years ago this past week. And then it occurred to me that I've been at Calvary as a pastor for 10 years. Half of the time that I belong to Jesus has been spent serving the Lord here at this church, and that is such an incredible blessing. It's a wonderful thing. Now, when we talk about image bearing, what we mean is human beings are given his image, but we're also supposed to grow somehow into this. We're we're human, but it's almost like we're supposed to become more human, more like what a human is supposed to be. And I thought about that a little bit with being a pastor. I'm different in a lot of ways than I was 10 years ago. Hopefully, being a pastor is something I'm more comfortable with something the Lord is able to use me more effectively with as I've learned and I've practiced and I've grown in Christ. It's not that I'm, I wasn't a pastor and now I am. It's that, that, that I've grown into the role in some way and still, of course, have a lot of growing yet to do. But being a human is the same way. We have this status, we have this calling of being an image bearer, of being a human being. And we're called to to, to have that and to grow into it, to somehow become more of what God intends for us to be. More of what he had given in the garden and expected Adam and Eve to grow into. Our passage this morning tells us that we're his image bearers. That being a human means representing him to the rest of creation. And that means... Not just to have this calling, but to grow in his likeness. To become more like him. Now that doesn't mean that we become more like him in power. Of course, we're never going to gain the ability to create universes or, or anything like that. And thank goodness, I don't think it'd be good for us if we did. But we do grow to be more like him in character, in the desires of our heart. in what we care about. We call this transformation or sanctification, this process of being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit as sin is continually uprooted from within us and the fruit of the Spirit grows within. And we see ourselves growing in the fruits of these spirits, to see ourselves stronger against temptation, And of course, it's not that way every day. There's days that I have that are worse than days before. It's not as though every day we look at ourselves and say, I'm stronger than I was yesterday. There are ups and downs. There are hills and valleys. But the idea is that over time, and this is our entire life in the Lord, and I believe will continue to grow to be more like him in the life to come, a process that will take a very, very long time.
Now this transformation, this becoming more like God, this was always the plan. But what we're going to learn in chapter 3 is that this plan was, was stolen or derailed or interrupted by the evil one. And we're going to talk then about what God has done to sort of put things back on track, but that doesn't change that we're called to be image bearers. We're human beings, and that means something. It's a blessing and a calling. It's something we have and something we're to grow into. You could say it this way. We are humans, and we're called to become better humans. So so image bearing means become a better human. Uh, The next thing that it means is to be a representative to We're called to act like him in his place. One of my favorite chapters in the entirety of the Bible is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You have this incredible picture of salvation just weaved throughout the chapter, but then also the calling to become like God and to represent him well. The word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 5 is ambassador. You see, the job of an ambassador is not to represent themselves when they go places. The job of an ambassador is to represent the person who sent them. And if we are Christ's ambassadors, if he's making his appeal through us, then that means that we are called to grow, to represent him well. And this isn't something we do by our own effort. This isn't something we do by our own power. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers us whole process. Our job is to cooperate with him. The job of an ambassador, what we are called to be for God, is to represent the one who sent them well. What does it mean to be an image bearer? It means to represent God well. It also means that we are called to care for each other and for the world. There's another passage that that we hear a lot, and sometimes it's easy to misunderstand what it means. It's Philippians 3.20. In Philippians 3.20, the Apostle Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. And if we're not careful, we can think that what that means is not just that this world isn't our home, but that we're just waiting to check out, right? It doesn't matter too much what's going on in this world. We're just waiting to get to to heaven. And, And certainly... We see this in Paul. We see this in the book of Revelation. We should desire strongly for Jesus to come back. We should look forward with joy to the day that we are in heaven. But when you are a citizen of one place living somewhere else, in the ancient world that meant that your job was to make the place you're living in like the place you're a citizen of. They understood what citizenship meant to Romans. And so if you had Roman citizenship and you lived in one of these places far away from Rome that didn't act very much like Rome, your job was to be a little piece of Rome there, to help make the rest of it more like Rome. Well, Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. Our job is to live out God's will here, to make the earth more like the way he wants it. And we do that through reflecting his love to those around us. As citizens of heaven, you could think of it this way, where to the original calling was to take the Garden of Eden and spread it all the way throughout the world. 
Now, Eden is gone. But our calling is still to live out in this world our representativeness of Jesus, of the Lord, in a way that that transforms the world around us to make it more like heaven. We're called to care, to show the Lord's love, and to seek after his justice in the world around us. And then one more. Being an image bearer means that we're called to create with our words and with our hands. One of the things that's incredible about Genesis chapter 1, as you read, is there's this energy around the word create. When you read it in Hebrew, it repeats over and over and over again. It's like an engine in the chapter. And we see that what we have is a God who just loves to create. He's making everything. And while it doesn't say this specifically in the text, I imagine him making everything with joy. A big smile if he had a body like we think of. But delight radiating in the Lord's spirit as he creates. Creating joyfully with a smile. And one of the things that he has given us is the ability to create as well. Again, not in the same way. You're never going to create a universe, right? But we are able to create in other ways. It's one of the things that does make mankind so special. The ability to reveal beauty in the world around us. I think about sculpture. You take something that is just flat, right, and and reveal this beauty with tools that you work to, to lessen, to remove parts of it, and soon you've got a work of art, something beautiful that you've created. You didn't, you didn't create the materials, you didn't do all of that, but you took one thing and made something else, and it's beautiful. We do the same thing with, with our hands when we build up, whether we're building up literally, like making something, or if you think about the job that you do, the place where you go during the week, whether it's as a student, whether it's as a doctor, or a lawyer, or a farmer, or a parent, or a spouse, or a child, whatever it is, whatever you are in the process of building up, be it a project at work, or a family that loves the Lord, we are building, helping to create something whether it's to make it new or to change it from one thing into more of what God wants, we're called to create with our hands and with our words. As I read through Genesis 1 in preparation for for these messages, one of the things that I was struck by are what God's words do. God's word is the vehicle through which he creates. We find out in John chapter 1 that the word is God and is creating. Now, we don't have what is meant by that, right? But our words create things too. They can build up or tear down 
They can, they can influence the world around us to be more like the Lord, the Lord desires, to be more like heaven when we tell the truth, but not just telling the truth cruelly or in a disinterested way, but telling the truth compassionately with grace in an attempt to make the world around us better. How do you use your words? Some of us are quieter than others. That is okay. But all of us speak. How do you use your words? The ones you speak, the ones you write, the ones you type. How do you use your words? I think if we were being honest, a lot of us would find that our words don't actually create very much sometimes. Maybe we're spending time talking about a meal or a TV show. Maybe we're we're spending time just talking about the weather. We don't think of those as times of creation, although they can be. Those times can be precious moments of fellowship where something is being built. But do you use your words to build up? If you were to take an audit of them, would you feel like your words more often built up those around you or pulled them down? Would you feel like your words more often reveal the goodness of the Lord or provided a distraction away from Him? What do you create with your words? What our Lord created with His word is all of creation, and He called it very good. And what's incredible is we have the ability to create with our words, too to build up and tear down, to strengthen or weaken, to reveal the Lord or to distract from him, to give blessing or suffering. How do you use your words? I never thought of Genesis 1 as a place where our speech is being called to something before looking at it anew this time. And it's been... It's been revealing to me. Of course, we see in Scripture other times where we're called to use our speech in specific ways, but if we are God's representatives, if being an image bearer means doing what he does like he does, then we're called to use our words to build, to lift up, to support, to create. Do we use our words that way? My challenge for you this morning is that whatever it is that you do with your hands or with your words, whatever your calling is, as a parent, a spouse, a child, a student, ask the Lord to reveal to you how he's using you to make the world around you more the way he desires it to be, more like heaven. Perhaps your mind is being prepared and you're learning good habits about humility and submission and obedience to teachers and parents. Perhaps that's the phase of life that you're in and that's wonderful. That is a way that earth is being made more like heaven. It's happening within you as you practice things you're going to need your entire life as a Christian. Perhaps you're a husband and you see that your role is called to shepherd, to lead, to point to the Lord, to live 
in a way that points others to him with your character, to, to love a spouse and to let that spouse know what it means to be truly loved, that they'd understand the Lord's love better because of how you loved. Perhaps it's a mother. And your role is, what you find is this ability to cherish, to, to admonish, to encourage those that you call children. To reveal to them the absoluteness, the unconditionalness of the Lord's love through your love to them. To help teach them right from wrong and prepare them for a life of faith in following Jesus. Perhaps it's what you do from nine to five. Perhaps it's a hobby. Perhaps it's your friendships and relationships. But ask the Lord to reveal to you how he uses you as an image bearer in whatever it is that you do. And then ask him to make you better at it. Someone who, who creates more, who lifts up more, who represents more. To find joy in using whatever opportunities are presented to you to bear the image of God to become more human, to represent him well, to care and to create. And then, use your words well. If you, when you do an audit of what your words do, feel like it comes up wanting, then this is a time to repent and to change. Can you use your words to build up those around you? To tell the truth, to always tell the truth, but to do it graciously with love. My hope is that as you read Genesis 1 in the future, you'll see God's word in a new light as a, as a model for us to live up to. That we'll understand his image as a blessing and a calling to represent him to the creation, to make the creation more like he always intended it to be, and to understand that no human being is without an essential, incredible calling from God, which is to represent him to the world around us. He's chosen us on purpose. He's created us on purpose and desires to use us to represent him. You are amazing. An incredible, wonderful creation of God. A child of his in whom he delights. And he wants to use you to show those around you who he is. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we hear in your word a calling to be like you and to represent you to the world around us. And Lord, that is frightening because if we are honest with ourselves, we know that we are inadequate 
Fortunately, Lord, you do not require us to be able to do this on our own. You provide your spirit. And you, Lord, you can create anything. Where you find within us fear, fear to accept a calling that you've given, fear to to grab hold of and live out our calling to be a representative of yours. Lord, give us courage to overcome it. Empower us by your spirit to recognize those fears for what they are, lies of the evil one who desires to distract us from what you've called us to. Empower us, Lord, with courage. Fill us with wisdom and discernment and an overflowing desire to show you to the world around us, to speak with grace and mercy and love and truth, to use our hands to build things you've called us to build, recognizing every step of the way that it is only by your power that we are able to obey you. You are amazing, Father, and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.